Hello, hello, movie people. Welcome to Real Talks, the podcast where we talk about movies because movies is what we love best. I'm here with my co-host, David. Hello. Say hi to everybody. Hello, hello. I have to say, I don't actually know. I, it's going to be a surprise what we talk about today, so you get to have my very candid reaction to whatever David has prepared for us. So I just know it's going to be movie-related, since that's all we talk about. Yes. So there were a couple of interesting going on in, in Hollywood this week. One is for something that happened quite a long time ago. One is something that is going to be happening in the future. Okay. And one is something that is, some release dates came out. So let's go. It's your choice. Which one do you want to do first? Let's do what's happening right now. Okay. What's happening right now? Yeah. So, well, what's happening right now? So I don't know. Happen, did you happen to see Knives Out? Yes. And as far as we know, Netflix has gotten the rights for the correct. second one. Correct. Okay. Correct. Do you, did you enjoy it? I loved it. Yes. Okay. So, and you're absolutely right about that. So, Netflix does have the rights to it. And Knives Out 2, Ryan Johnson, actually, ironically, same guy who did The Last Jedi. But, so he's going to, this is Knives Out 2, Glass Onion, is a Knives Out mystery. He's going to be debuting at TIFF, or the uh, Toronto International Film Festival, this year. And it's going to be kicking it off. Essentially, that it's going to open the film festival up and... It's a franchise builder, and so he actually has, so Netflix actually gave him an obscene amount of money to not only do this one, but the next one. Right, there's going to be a third. Yeah, so this cast is huge. Listen to this. Okay. Edward Norton, no, I mean, Norton has been, he's been around, but he hasn't been, you know, in things recently, but Edward Norton, he's a good actor. I feel like he doesn't do things that he doesn't want to do like I feel like Edward Norton is like oh I like this project I'm gonna do it and so I almost feel like that gives it more credibility sometimes it does yeah okay yeah Janelle Monet I haven't heard of her I'm sure she's great Catherine Hahn Leslie Odom Jr. Jessica Henwick Madeline Klein Kate Hudson and Dave Bautista okay so uh, kind of an interesting eclectic cast no more Craig no more Daniel Craig well, no, he's going to be the lead. Okay, so I was figuring that this is going to follow a new thing he's doing, right? Like, his, this is a new case. So this is a new case, and it takes place in, they go to Greece. Oh. So and so he has to pay, basically solve this murder mystery. And so there's not much else about the context, except he's a detective and trying to figure out who did it. I have to say, Daniel Craig was such a, like, first of all, it was a five-star cast, the first one, obviously. I've got to sit down and watch the first one. You haven't seen it? I know. There's so oh, much. Oh, David. Okay, so. We have to make lists for each other. We need to start making lists. I know. Yes, this is so funny. Definitely. But okay, so five-star cast, five-star performance. I mean, I will watch anything with Tony Coletti. I think that's how you say her last name. I will watch anything she does. And then, but I mean, like every, Jamie Lee Curtis, like forget about it. So everybody was amazing. But Daniel Craig stole the show. And I really didn't expect it. And I feel like he probably really relished it because, you know, he's sort of typecasted now. I feel like he feels very pigeonholed by being James Bond. I feel like he tries to do things that are really outside of that box because he wants to be taken seriously as not just, you know, the sexiest guy ever, you know, saving everybody and whatever. So I feel like he really took this as like a giant opportunity 
to set himself apart and to like really give himself a future in Hollywood that won't be, oh, it's the James Bond guy. I mean, I feel like Sean Connery had to do that when he was James Bond and he had amazing movies after being James Bond. But like he had to get rid of that whole persona, even though that's one of his biggest career moves was being 007. So I'm excited on the second and third one, just based on the fact that they're not even going to try to mess with the original storyline. They're just going to take Daniel Craig, who was amazing, and place him with another five-star cast. I think this is actually something that could work. So you're right. And, you know, I think you could real. By the way, so let me ask you this question. You're probably not a Bond girl, but did you like Daniel Craig as James Bond? Oh, I am a Bond girl. I, in fact, oh, okay. every James Bond, like every year of my really? life. Yeah, no, right. I'm actually one of the biggest James Bond people ever. I know all of the things about it. It's I know See, it's funny. I, I'm learning something every single day about my co-host. I know. I like Roger Moore was the worst. Sean Connery's second best. Daniel Craig is my favorite. I have to say, which is a really big deal for me. I hated Pierce Brosnan, uh, Brosnan, whatever, however you say yeah, his last name. Yeah. I thought he was honestly maybe worse than Roger Moore. So yeah, I'm a huge James Bond person. And I feel like he did an incredible job taking a franchise that was very much largely like of its time, like, you know, 60s, 70s, like not very much action, a little bit more gimmicky. You know, they like say the name of the title somewhere in the movie. Yeah, he took it from there and he made it into something that we can all enjoy now. And so now I'm actually really excited to see who they choose for the next one. I was upset when I heard it was Daniel Craig because I was like a blonde James Bond like I don't get it you know like I don't know what I, I was just I am so partial to Sean Connery that I was not on board and then I saw the first movie and I was like oh forget it like this guy knows what he's doing they know what they're doing they're killing it and I'd say the only one I didn't enjoy was Quantum of Solace so and for the I think everybody that is a movie aficionado and they like those they of the Daniel Craig films they always put quantum at the at the bottom. Yeah, everyone everyone seems to agree. I would say that Skyfall is maybe one of the best James Bonds of all. Time. Oh, it is the best. I, okay. It, it hands, yeah. I, obviously, film is subjective and everything else. Of the Craig five films, Skyfall hands down is best. Above and beyond. Yeah. Some people are trying to see the last one was, and I have to say, it maybe is my third favorite. I got to be honest, and the thing is. And I said this on a previous podcast that of the Bond films, first of all, what they tried to do with this James Bond is streamline. And that was the wrong thing to do because every single Bond movie up until that point was a individualized movie. Yeah. Whatever it was. What they did was with this James Bond is they said, okay, we're going to do one storyline. And... I thought they started it out great with Casino Royale. I mean, I thought they knocked it out of the park with that. Quantum, obviously, was a definite downgrade from that. They came back with Skyfall, but, you know, the fact is they tried to streamline it yeah. and make it one story, and I think that was the biggest... It was problematic, because in something like Spectre, we don't care about Christoph Waltz. I didn't care about it, and he's such a... He was so underutilized as a villain. Like, Christopher Waltz is amazing, and I just feel he's like... He's an they, Academy Award winner. They, they forced something that didn't work, and I, I know they don't. They didn't know until it happened, but, like, I agree with you that I wasn't that invested in Spectre. It should have been so much better, and I'll tell you, like, I was not into 
Rami Malek, right? That he was the yes. He was like so underutilized too. Like I was like, well, okay, and, the, and you just lead you just led me to the second point. So my okay. second point is this: in all of the Craig films, in every single one, you had Bond meet the villain midway through the picture. Yes, whether it was Casino Royale, and we see you know Le Chief, or whether it's Philip Green, and we see him at the. At the by the way, that opera scene was amazing. How they captured that with with the white background, the mm-hmm. black tuxedos, just mm-hmm. the color contrast. Okay, you had him in Quantum. You had that unbelievable soliloquy by Javier Bardem in Skyfall, and then that that's a, that was all done in one take. That was insane. A decent a decent job, Inspector. I mean, I did like the you know when he's looking up and he's like, "Welcome, James." And he's, you know, like blown away and you're like, what the hell is going on here? And then he has to get out. And by the way, Dave Bautista, who is actually going to be in this one, as I just made mention, he's going to be in the new Knives Out movie. But getting back to my point, in this particular movie, you didn't see the confrontation until 20 minutes left in the film. And it was three hours. I know. Like, literally, I was just waiting for it to happen the whole time. And I'm just like, not only that, but he's like, Look at all my poisonous plants. They're so poisonous. And I'm thinking like, ooh, we're going to have some kind of like poison injection. Like, I don't know. I was hoping for some like, I want to like have my skin crawl a little bit because Javier did such a good job. Like he made me scared. I was like, this guy is, is creepy. Like, and no, nothing. Literally like the plants were pointless. So I don't know. I didn't believe that he, that was his daughter. I didn't believe that either. I don't believe that. I know. At all. You know, and, you know, she says it twice and it's like, okay. And that whole third act with the kid, it just, and we're going to talk about the new one here in a minute, but it's like the whole third act, I just didn't believe the third act. I didn't either. And then you got to have him die? Yeah. Now, my brother, I bring my brother up a lot because sometimes we have very different, you know, views on these things. And he loved, loved the last movie. He saw it three times in theaters. And it is because I very much respect his thoughts on everything. And I was like, so I, when I went to go see it, I'm like expecting to be absolutely blown away. And I have to say, I was like, well, I enjoyed it, but I don't want to really see it again. Like, this is not something that I felt. I saw, I would see Skyfall five times in theaters, but like, yeah, that's absolutely. It. So would I in a heartbeat. And how and how he didn't win an Academy Award for 1917 is beyond me. I'm talking about Sam Mendes. But anyways, the, the reason the, the other main point I wanted to bring up was this. When you have a, an actor like a Daniel Craig with James Bond or a Christian Bale with uh, Batman or somebody that plays a role for over 10 years and they do multiple films, the last thing that they want to do is the same thing. They want to completely go off in the left field. And so, I mean, you take a look at somebody I brought De Niro a couple of weeks ago. He was typecast in this police officer, tough guy, cop, mafia guy. And what does he go out and do? Analyze this with Billy Crystal in 1996. Yes. And it was a huge hit. It was huge. You know, and that's what they try and do. They want to mix it up because they don't want to get typecast. And then he came back and, you know, he ended up getting an Academy Award nomination for Silver Linings Playbook. So that just tells you something. Anyways, but yeah, Daniel Craig is going to be in the new Knives Out movie. It's going to be out on Thanksgiving, I Ooh, believe. If I, if, uh, or or the, did they actually, I stand corrected. No, so they, they haven't released, they haven't released it, but. Here's something for you. It was made on a $40 million budget, and it grossed $311 million. 
Wow. That's incredible. Okay. Okay, wait, I have a question for you because I know you'll know. Okay. They're not releasing Knives Out 2 in theaters? Well, no. It was the... I don't know. Because I feel like that would be... I don't think... Well, no, this brings up an interesting point. This brings up a very interesting point. So, by the way, with the deal we were talking about, lots of money, it was $469 million. And Netflix won the right for the two sequels in a ready-made franchise. So, no. And this brings up an interesting point. Let me ask you a question. Because they're putting this on Netflix... Okay, do you think this might quash any of the the bad publicity they might have? I mean, let's face it. They're not doing well right now. They're not doing well. The job's loss. Their stock is plummeting. I think it's like $150 today. You've got a a lawsuit that has yet to be settled with them. Yep. Do you think this is actually going to give them that invigoration they need? I think they're really hoping it will. I mean... I think if they continue in the direction, and we've talked about this on former podcasts about kind of what we all think they're doing wrong. And really, they should be asking our opinion, you and I, about what they should be doing right, because we know. But like, no, I mean, like, they, if they start to do ads, if they start to, they keep raising prices, they're losing the essence of why people have stuck with them for so long. And I feel like if they keep going in that direction, I don't know if any amount of, you know, like, flair is going to really save them, because I think... I just, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I think it'll make them money for sure. I, I think they're looking for new subscribers. I really, yeah. really do. Because that's the only reason why you don't put this out in theaters. Because the fact is that, let's face it, if I know it's exclusive to Netflix with Disney Plus and Hulu and Peacock and Apple TV and all these others out there, and I can only see it there, and if you like the first one, let's say you're a brand new person, you like the first one, you're like, well, right. okay, I'll buy it. So that would be very interesting to find out. Okay, now, do you want something from the past or do you want something from the future? I like this format we have going. Let's go for the past and then we'll end with the future. Okay, so the past. Take a wild guess what movie is 25 years old. I know there's so many, but I'll give you a hint. Will Smith started it. Oh, uh, Men in Black. It is. You're right. <laughs> Yay! 25 years old. Okay. 25 years old. So it opened July 2nd, 1997. And you will probably won't guess this, but guess who was supposed to be the lead? It wasn't Will Smith. Who was supposed to be the lead, but 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 didn't end up being the lead? Ooh. Um, I don't know. Batman and Robin. Oh, wait. Was it, was it Robin? Like that guy? Whatever his name it is? It was Chris O'Donnell. Chris O'Donnell was actually supposed yeah. to be the lead from Will, the Wilson. Oh, that would have been like the worst decision ever. And so, subsequently, he actually went on and did films like Scent of a Woman, which won Al Pacino as an Oscar, Mad Love, and then, of course, the, the bomb, which we won't talk about, called Batman and Robin. Yeah, we're not going to talk about it. It was, yeah, so that was, that was the lead. He was supposed to be the lead for that. So, yeah, it's 25 years old. And so, in 95... Variety is the first one to basically come out and say that Will Smith was going to be the lead, and and he was reported for that. And he joined the cast for only five, and I say only because of some of the salaries that these people get, five million bucks. Okay. So it was so successful that, of course, they went on to do a sequel, and he went from Men in Black to starting to shoot Bad Boys 2. Right. And that did well, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And he came back, and so... He basically flip-flopped at that time between Men in Black and, and Bad Boys 2, or Bad Boys, and you know, until 
the one that just came out a couple years ago. But he also was right around that time. He also had Independence Day out the year before. Oh that. man, which was just. I mean, so this guy was like at the top of the the food chain type of thing. I have to say, like, one of my favorite things is one of my favorite cross. I feel like there's every once in a while you get a crossover line. From one movie franchise or just one other movie that somebody's known for that ends up in another movie, unless you don't understand or know, then you don't even catch it. And that was, of course, I'm not going to remember his name right away, but I, I think you know who I'm talking about. Jurassic Park. Oh, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum saying, must go faster, yeah. must go faster. Yeah. And then there's another movie that I can't remember, but there is a movie that Samuel L. Jackson says, hold on to your butts. Again, okay. which was also from Jurassic Park. And I can't remember what it was, but I remember being like, hey, I like I caught it. I was yeah. like, that's that's a different that's a different franchise. But I thought it was funny because it's like a tagline. Yeah, but it's just it's just amazing how high some of these people can get. And, and if you get the right movie. It yeah. Just takes, and I think that's what I mean. You know, you think about a movie like Men in Black and then you think about, you know, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. And Chris O'Donnell. Yeah, it would not have worked. Let's at face it. What one of the one of the greatest scenes is when, and probably the most memorable scene from the movie is when he becomes the agent, and he puts on the shades. He's like, "I make, I make this, this look, look good." Look yeah. good. <laughs> and I don't think I don't think Chris O'Donnell could have pulled that off. Have they tried to reboot this yet? I feel like this is something they're going to oh, try to oh, do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. they did, didn't they? Called, and it didn't go it was well. Called Men in Black International. It was. Horrible. So even Men in Black 3, which I never saw, but it was halfway decent. Men in Black, yeah, and I knew it was going to be a bomb all the way through, and it was. So Yeah. You know, I mean, it's better sometimes just to put it to bed. And actually, Rip Torn was in that movie. Rip Torn is one of those, he's no longer with us, but he was one of those actors that was a great supporting character actor. And he would just pop up in these roles. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I know this guy. Yeah, it's like in everything. Like, Wait a minute, yeah, one of those. But yeah, so yeah, it's that's hard to believe. 20- Nothing tops the original Men in Black. Like this eh, one was okay, but like you just can't recreate that like magical first intro into this whole world where we don't know what's going on, and then it's like when you do, it's just less magical, in yeah. my opinion. And it's just, and, and I think that's why a lot of reboots they fail. Because they try to capture that what you just said perfectly. They try to put it in a in a magic in a bottle, and they can't. And they try to capture the same magic, and it's like, yeah, no, it doesn't. There's work. nothing new you can do. You already you did it. You couldn't make that movie today. No, there's no way. No, there's no way. So, but yeah, that that was pretty interesting, and it's you know it's fascinating to see what Tommy Lee Jones has done over the last twenty five years. Do you know what I mean? Or it is. I mean, no country for old men. Insane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Lincoln. I mean, you know, I, I always go back to that movie. You but know, was, you're obsessed with Lincoln, David. Yeah, you but know. no, it was. <laughs> but you know, you know, another good, another. He was in JFK right around that time too. I never saw that one. Oh, it's not. It's one of those conspiracy theory, right? Movies. You know, who shot JFK? Right. Right. But he played a really really good role in it. Joe Pesci was amazing, too. Oh, uh, yeah. But, yeah, that cast was huge. Kevin Costner, Joe Pesci, I think John Goodman was in it for a bit, and, you know, yeah, but, yeah, it was good. Not, by the way, not his best work. I mean, I would put that in, like, the top six or seven, or maybe eight. Platoon, by far, 
hands down, which won sure, Best Picture yeah. that year, by the way. Hands down yeah. is the best film of his. We're going to end on something that's going to be in the future. And this, this is... So let me ask you a question. Do you like monster movies? Uh, can you throw a monster movie out when is if well, like, what do let, you mean? Let, let King Kong, Godzilla, you know, oh, not monster. okay, yeah, no, I've actually really enjoyed. Didn't you say you were a big anime fan? Right, I didn't see the. I am, I am like kind of slowly getting into anime, so I'm, almost, I'm, I'm getting there. But I have to say, I'm always pleasantly surprised by King Kong movies. They're always like different. The one where like the there was King Kong and dinosaurs. That one was really good. I actually really liked that one. It had Brie Larson in it, I believe. And then I didn't see the most recent Monsters movie where like there was a whole bunch of them. I didn't. I heard it was not that good. I can't remember the name of it. I saw King. So there's been a couple different iterations of King Kong. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the you know the one way back when, but the most recent one was about I don't know ten years ago. It was. Okay. It was pretty good. It was entertaining. Yeah, Skull Island came out about five years ago. I liked it. I really did. I really liked it too, and I was surprised. I was like, this is going to be lame. And then I was like, okay, I'm all about King Kong, like, battling this T-Rex. I was, I thought it was an incredibly choreographed scene. Like, and he's holding Brie Larson, and he's, like, juggling her around and, like, trying to save her. I thought that was amazing, and I'm like... I'm kind of not a huge like Michael Bay type movie fan because I feel like it's usually just fanfare and yeah. like effects, but I felt like this had a really good balance for some reason. So, so Godzilla versus Kong came out just as the pandemic was yes. just getting started. Didn't see it. And so, anyways, so I bring that up because the new movie is going to be set. They're they're going to be making a sequel to it, and that it's going to be set for 2024. Okay. And so Dune. So let me backtrack a little bit, too, okay. because what ended up happening was Legendary ended up suing because, it, as we all know, because of the pandemic, many, many films, theatrical releases went straight to streaming yep. just because it had to. Yep. So what ended up happening was Legendary said, well, you know what? We put up 75% of this money and we want it back. So he, because they had a contractual agreement with the, the studio, they ended up suing. And settling out of court, and they ended up getting some of their money back. So, but that was a couple years ago. So, as I said, this is slated for 2024. And I don't know, did you happen to see Dune? Oh, yeah. I love Dune. Okay. I Dune. They, put, they pushed it back only a month. Okay. So, let me, so here's what it says, basically, that Dune Video News Part 2, okay, which is was supposed to open October 20th of next year, is getting pushed back to... November 17th, so like two weeks. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the Godzilla versus Kong, as I made mention, is going to get pushed to a 2024. And I didn't realize this. Godzilla versus Kong earned almost a half a billion dollars globally. What? $468 million. That's what really? I said. Wait, did you see it? <laughs> yeah. I didn't see it. it no. Is. No, no. So, I mean, this did huge numbers overseas. Okay. Just because. So, Dune... Also grossed north of $400 million globally. And guess what? It won six Oscars. Yeah, which I think it deserved. Why? I mean, I saw it in IMAX when it, I was like, no, I'm not. So a, did this I. Is, I, heard, I. Yeah, I heard somebody call this a second level movie. What? Because it's so, what I mean by second level is like so deep, so rich. The story, the characters, everything else. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, 
So when I watched it, I'm like, wow. Of course, Oscar Isaac and, you know, everybody else. So Rebecca Ferguson, who's going to be in this new Mission Impossible movie coming. She's going to have a huge, huge year oh, next yeah. year. Well, and the score. Yes. I, the score was incredible. And that's, it ended up winning. And it was, it was like, it was the weakest thing about the movie. But it, and that's like saying something. If the score is that good and it's like not even the best part, then you're like, what? Like. <laughs> Yeah, so it was so, it was a fantastic movie. I haven't seen it since, but I definitely sometime I want to sit down and watch it again because it was unbelievable. Yes. So this is actually the new cast now. Timothy Chalamet is actually coming back. Rebecca Fer- Ferguson, as I just made mention, Zendaya, which I you know when I saw the first one and the only one, but when I saw it, I was like they kind of misled you just a little bit because of the trailers. Because they made you think Zendaya was going to be more in it. But in it they more, were, yes. They were yes. peeing her up because, I mean, the story did not call for her. She's going to have a way bigger. But I was I was also disappointed because I don't know the plot. I didn't know the plot in advance. So I was like, and where's Zendaya? Yeah. So, I mean, but yeah, it's it was. So he has flashbacks seeing her. And then, he, you know, nearly at the end, he finally meets her. Yeah. So that was interesting. Josh Brolin, who's coming back. Florence Pugh, who actually his... She's one of the hottest actresses in Hollywood right now. Yes. She's I mean, both in, both in looks and in movies yeah. and shows. Yeah. 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 Well, she's just killing it, and I love it. Yeah. And my brother is in love with her and Zendaya. So I was like, both of them are going to be in the same movie. And he was like, oh, my gosh, is it my birthday? Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's Christmas and your birthday. It's Christmas. Austin Bu- yeah. Austin Butler. Okay. Elvis. You know, yeah. I mean – and it's fun. It's perfect because that's a huge, I won't say huge hit, but it's doing well right now within the theaters and he's getting his name out there. Yes. So it's like, this is now going to be his second big picture. Yes. So Christopher Walken, I mean, legend. What? Yes. I loved him in Severance. Severance. He did an incredible job. The deer hunter? Yeah, Gosh. of course. Obviously. Unbelievable. Yeah. And then, of course, the scene... <laughs> It's only a five-minute scene, but not even five-minute scene from Pulp Fiction. Yes. <laughs> Literally, like, I mean, that's Tarantino for you. He's like, let's yeah, just, let's just yeah, walk exactly. in here for five minutes. That'll be enough. Everyone loved it. And, and the, former, the former mentioned Javier Bardem is going to be in it. Oh, yeah. Well, he was in the what first one. What a huge, huge cast this is going to be. Well, so I was worried that okay because of all the hype you know it was much anticipated maybe the most anticipated movie that at that time was dune so i was like this is either gonna be good or it's gonna be terrible like i just feel like there's never a middle ground for these things it's either like the fans of the book love it or they hate it or people who don't know anything about the book love it and the book people hate it or whatever but i mean like yeah it was. A, I was glad it was a success because I just felt like it had such potential and there's nothing worse than me being like, this has really good potential. And then I watch it and I'm like, they didn't reach it at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, think, I liked it a lot. I'm excited. Yeah. No, I, I am too. I, I think this is going to be, this is probably, I would even go so far as to say this is going to be the most anticipated movie next year. Hands down. Oh, easily. Hands down. Oh, hands down. Just because of the cast, just because everybody wants to see the story. Just, I will say one thing though. This movie did not make as much money as it should have. Why do you think that is? Because of the pandemic. Well, to be honest with you, the the studio and Denis Villeneuve and everybody, they got screwed. 
Yeah. They got screwed six ways to Sunday because HBO Max said, we're going to try and get subscribers. We're going to put our premiere, and this is what happened with Godzilla versus Kong. We're going to put our premiere, our whole slate of premiere theatrical movies on HBO Max. And guess what? You can watch them for 30 days until we take it off. I know it's hard. It's hard when like streaming is such a great thing that is now sort of killing all the things we like about movies. Like, but at the same, I mean, the pandemic made this. No, 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 absolutely. No, no, no. I I understand. But, but the the big thing. And so if you actually want to go back, the new actually wrote a scathing. And I mean, I mean, scathing op-ed in the New York times. And he just destroyed Warner brothers and everybody. Because here's the thing. He didn't have a problem with it putting on streaming. He had a problem with nobody telling him. They just did it. So he went out, blood, sweat, and tears, busted his tail. All these actors and actresses busted their asses. And they went, screw it, we're just going to put it on streaming because we want more subscribers. That's the only reason. Now, obviously, the pandemic had something to do with it. I'm not discounting that. All I'm getting at is at least give people forewarning. That was the big reason. But to his credit, and and this is why, by the way, when it came out in theaters and everything else, they waited to greenlight it. They were going to. Venu didn't even had a sequel clause in his contract. It wasn't a matter of if, it was a matter of when. Okay, the problem mm-hmm. is when they said, well, we want to see how it does. Of course, they want to give him a sequel. Of course, they were. But they wanted to see it with baloney. Nonetheless, he got a sequel. I'm curious to see how it's going to perform with the new stars, the story, everything else. So here's here's the interesting thing. It's going to be facing competition against the prequel of the, the Hunger Games, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which also opens it that weekend. So I and which I liked the book a lot, but everyone's very like, we don't need another one. So I don't know. So it's one of those things. And then Universal and DreamWorks has Trolls 3 coming out for the kids. And then Paramount's uh, John. Yep. And my niece, my niece and nephews are obsessed with it. You know, it's a good, they're good. It's a good. Yeah. So I mean, oh, so, look, it's, it's going to, I think it's obviously. I'll go out on a limb right now and say it's going to win the weekend. <laughs> I don't think that. I think people were done with with the with the Hunger Games. I got to be honest with you because it was one of those things where we got the finale of Kenshin Fire Two or Mocking J Two rather. We, we got the we got the finale. Yeah, I think it was a nice tie. It was a nice ending. Okay, fine. So why are you you know? It's kind of like the Fantastic Beast series, almost. You know, people liked Harry Potter and, and loved Harry Potter and everything else. Why are you going back and making these these books based off of this? No, don't get me wrong. The first couple were, I didn't see the third one. You you were not too thrilled with the third one. No, the first one I loved. They should have just freaking left it alone. I mean, I read the Hunger Games books. I have to say, uh, I'm probably going to be like, crucified for this but I lost interest in the third one like I liked the first one most the second one kept me going and then the third one I swear was kind of boring like I just wasn't invested anymore I didn't care and so 
how are you going to even make the movie any better? You know, like it just, I didn't even, I don't even think I watched the third movie. I watched the first and the second one. And then I was like, eh, I don't know. Like, but I have to tell you the, the, this fourth prequel book, I read the whole thing and I actually really enjoyed it. So I don't know, maybe, maybe it'll work. We're not sure. Yeah. So I think, and it's interesting because I think that it depends on where you end it. And, and here's what I mean. If you look at something like Deathly Hollows, where they ended part one, I thought it was a good ending. I mean, I, I watched all the, the Harry Potters. I thought it was a good ending. So when they started Deathly Hollows part two, they had gotten a couple of the things they needed. And I thought that was good. I thought it was really poor what they did with Hunger Games, with the, the part one. Because, you know, you bring him back. He's all crazy. And that was what one of the final scenes is like, he's all crazy. And then, you know, he's he's banging against the glass. And that's where they ended. And you're like, what kind of ending is that? Yeah. You know, there's no resolution. They didn't they didn't leave us with anything to chew on. So. Until waiting. There was no cliffhanger. No. It was it. I know. When we get the next film and, you know, she's in his in his room and, and trying to, you know, make up and, and not, not make up, but trying to figure things out. It's like, I don't care about this. So, you know, it really depends. And that's what, so it, it kind of goes full circle. I'm kind of curious to see that it's going to have a cliffhanger. We all know this. Right. But I'm really curious to see where they end Dead Reckoning. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Really, really curious. Because if you've watched the trailer, I know you have, but for those that haven't, the first, in the very first, the first Mission Impossible, it's the same villain. So they actually wanted to go all the way back full circle. And this is another indication why I think this is going to be the last couple films. Yeah, because they're going to want to... All yeah. the way back full circle. And, you know, that that's that first scene. You hear the voiceover. He's like, you know, we can change the world for generations to come. And he's like, but you got to pick a side. And I love Tom Cruise. He, the man doesn't have to say anything. He just tilts his head like, like, really? Yeah. <laughs> but that that's great acting in itself. That but, just gave me, like, chills. I think this franchise has been one of the very few that did it right. Like all of yeah, it, right? So, but but that's where I'm really curious to see where they end it because that's going to be. I mean, yeah, it's going to end on a cliffhanger and everything else. But will it end on a cliffhanger? Is it if it's the last oh, absolutely. one? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Because you have to have something to jump into part two with. You have to. Oh, it's a it's a. Did I not know it was a two parter? Dead Reckoning. Oh, that's what I said. Okay. Part one. Oh, well that, okay. That makes me happy. Actually. So that's why I was saying about like Hunger Games. That makes sense Deathly now. Hollows, yep. Got it. Because it's like, you know, you see, obviously, so you can actually go on YouTube and watch some of these stunts. But yeah. the, the fact is that, you know, that last shot and you just see him go, just fly off the cliff. Yeah. You're 57 years old and you're flying off a cliff. I have full, <laughs> I have full so. trust, like in Tom, we, we trust. I know he's going to do us right. Like, he has so far not done us dirty, you know, not with Maverick and not with any of the other ones except for and Mars, it's going to be fascinating for- to see. So I know I know you're horrible with numbers, and I know you don't like to predict, but if you had to, and you've seen the trailer a couple times, if you had to predict, and we're doing this based off of the, all the other parts, if you had to predict today, a year out, what do you think it would hit? Uh, the first Trust part? Me, I won't hold it. Yeah. What do you think it makes? What What was the budget? I now know I need to like think about the budget. <laughs> it's 
I'm like, you're gonna look. Are you gonna look it up right now for us? I am gonna. I'm gonna look it up because I think it's north of 250 million dollars. I think because Maverick was so good that it has the potential of making a half a bill. And that's me not knowing anything about numbers. So I could be very off. But I just think I just think that there's going to just be a writing of this Maverick High and all of the fans of all the other Mission Impossibles. We've been so well taken care of through the years. It's going to be a huge deal that this thing is ending. And I just think that it's going to go off. I think it's going to be a huge deal. 290. Okay. I feel like it, it's going to do at least like 500 mil, I think. Oh, yeah. It'll do more than that. Yeah. It will probably be a billion dollar film. That's kind of what I want to say, but I'm like scared. I don't know how. I don't know. I don't know anything. As you. This, is, this just tells you something. So Mission Impossible Fallout, the last film, that budget was $178 million. Okay. That's almost, almost. I mean, it's, you know, it's almost twice that budget. Right. And what did, what did Fallout do in box office? I know I keep asking you questions I mean, you don't know. it was a billion dollar. <laughs> but it, yeah, but it just, it grows 220 in the United States and 570 over, it's $791 million. Okay. Then yeah, this one's going to be a billion for sure. Like at the very least. In my- I tend to agree with you. I also, well, a couple things. Number one, I think it depends on what it goes up against. But it's going to destroy whatever it goes up against, even a Marvel film. I don't even think it matters. I don't even think about that. Yeah. Number two, you write about the, the Top Gun Maverick thing. I think he's going to be riding the high. But I'm going to say like 170. I don't think it's going to do. I don't think it's going to do Spider-Man numbers. You I don't. I don't think it's. I think, the, I think this part two will do Spider-Man numbers. I, I think part two will do it. Yeah. yeah. I think I, I think we'll do. I would think part two will do it. I don't think it'll do Spider-Man numbers. I do think it will do Doctor Strange numbers. The last Doctor Strange. Oh, easily. I think it could make two hundred million. I think it could be join that exclusive club of eight movies to make two hundred million dollars. Oh, I think it totally could easily because it's coming out in the middle. It's coming out right around Fourth July. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have lots of people out. Mm-hmm. This is the last one we've talked about it before on other podcasts about franchises and how. You know, the first of something and the last of something always explode. Right. I really think it could make $200 million. No, I agree. But, so the more fascinating question is, in 2026, and we'll have to talk about this then. Yeah. It, what do you think Tom Cruise does? Now, mind you, he can do whatever the man, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. What do you think he does? Like with his career? I mean, what I, I honestly, the answer is whatever Tom Cruise wants after he gets out of his cryo chamber every year to do a movie. Well, think about it. He's going to be 60. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's got more money than God. Yep. <laughs> okay. He is a crazy person when it comes to doing his own stunts. Yeah. This has been his baby for the last 25 years. What does he do? I mean, he's not going to just go sit, you know, go on a rocker and have a beer and say, oh, I had a good career. I kind of feel like he's going to go the Clint Eastwood route. Direct? Yeah, I think he's going to direct. Hey, this is just my prediction. I'm going to throw it no, out there. No, 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 no. I, I like it. Well, produ- pro- like direct and star. I mean, like. Yeah, okay. Okay. So let's go down this road from it. What story then do you think he would direct? What kind of, I shouldn't say what story. What kind of story? What genre do you think he would do? Obviously action. But what, what, do, you, what do you think he would do? Well, action. But what kind of action? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Well, like, do you think he'd do, like, a spy? Do you think he would do, like, a, 
a lethal weapon type of thing with comedy, you know, but action there. You know, I mean, like, remember when he played Les, what's his name, in Tropic Thunder? Like, the man can be funny. So maybe. I don't know, man. That's going to be really fascinating to find out. Because, let's face it, and this is true, I know we got to get going, but it, I know this is true of Marvel pictures, like Chris Elmsworth, for example. This is, by the way, if you want to stay tuned next week, we're going to be doing a whole, th- I'm going to go see it on Thursday, we're going to be doing a whole Thor Love and Thunder preview that so but people when they we were just talking about this with characters the fact that people get pigeonholed right whether it's christian bale with batman or Dead well he's already Bond. and we've already talked about how he's setting himself up for success as much as he can by taking so it'd be very fascinating to see yes what I agree. Th- that's like chadwick boseman after endgame the next film he did the russos produced it was called, a little movie called 21 bridges it was an okay I never movie. saw it. Yeah. It was okay. It was predictable. But it was, you didn't know what he was going to do after. Right. That's, that's why be, when, you, when people like these actors and actresses for 20, 30 years and they go, this is all they know, what are they going to do after? So that will be fascinating to find, talk about. Anyways, coming up on the podcast, tomorrow we have Flashback Friday, Guardians of the Galaxy, which the soundtrack is second to none. And I love that soundtrack. It's great. Yeah. We have, as I just made mention, next week, I'm going to go see Thor on Thursday. I will be doing a spoiler cast all over that. From what, actually, so the early, this is actually one movie I'm not going to go see before anybody else. The press actually went to go see this beforehand. But from what I have seen, the, the reviews are really good. So these are a couple tweets. Thor Love and Thunder is a funny, candy-coated blast. Always the right tone, cameos that are actually good and doesn't overstay its welcome. Holy shit, Russell Crowe, the goats. That's one of them. So excited. Huge thanks to Taika Waititi for fixing the character of Jane Foster after Marvel clearly didn't know what to do with Natalie Portman. Nice. Love Thor to hear Love and Thunder, this is from Ryan, and actually if you want to go back and listen to the Blockbuster podcast with Ryan McQuaid. Thor Love and Thunder is an absolute blast with spectacular action, signature Taika Waititi humor, a kick-ass Natalie Portman, an all-time villainous performance by Christian Bale, and some surprising emotional moments. This movie is just flat-out rules. Love that. We love to hear it. Yes. And I know we got to go, and so we'll talk about this next week, but remember what I said. If they did a good movie, the next one coming out with Thor, people would forget. It would wash away all their sins. Yep. And that's what it looks like from all these indications. It looks like that's what and I think they listened to the I think they listened to the fandom. I think they did. And and gosh, like if only people would realize that a lot of times if you were to just listen to the fans and then adapt it obviously with good writing and good directing, you're gonna like hit it out of the park. I don't know. So And that's and that's actually gonna be one of the next masterclass. And no, I'm not sponsored by them. But I do own Masterclass, and that is going to be Natalie Portman is on there, and that's going to be the next one of the Ooh, next ones I watch. That would be really good. All right. Well, this has been amazing, everybody. This is going to be fun. So, okay, until next week, I'm David Steele, and she's Elisa Ivers. We did it right this time. Yeah, I told you. And this has been Real Talks. <laughs>